everyone. Welcome to another episode. It's such a pleasure and honor to have you all here. I'm so excited to introduce to you this beautiful guest. Her name is Mariah. She is a personal trainer who specializes in pelvic floor. And today we are going to be talking about pelvic floor and our relationships to ourselves. So please join me in welcoming Mariah. How are you? Hey, Rochelle. Thank you so much. Oh, you're an awesome introduction. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, it's so great to have you here. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. And I would love if you started by sharing a little bit about yourself, what got you interested in personal training and public floor. I love it. Well, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, so I am actually a social worker by background. Uh, So I'm Dutch, moved to Canada, uh, Calgary in 2004. I met my husband in Australia in 1999, and that like totally ages me right there. Uh, If you can stay 1900 something, it's like, what? (laughs) Different dimension. Oh my gosh. Uh, anyway, but yeah, I've uh, been working in social work for a long time. And then we had babies back to back. And it was just hard. Well, A, after babies, I struggled pretty bad with postpartum anxiety. Like, I think I always had some anxiety, general generalized anxiety going on, even as a kid, but didn't know it was anxiety, right? Just feeling super uncomfortable and in certain situations. Then combine that with like raging hormones right? Some sleep deprivation, complete change in almost identity, I wanted to say at that time. That's what it felt like. I was very happy being a social worker. I worked at uh, the Distress Center in Calgary, super awesome community, really awesome job. Never realized how much I actually validated my sense of self through my work, right? That external sense of validation, then when that all got taken away from me and now I'm this mom at home, not have no clue what to do. The babies are not gonna give you a ton of validation. They just cry, which can make you even feel more, right? Anyway, so that all, it just spiraled out into crazy, like really debilitating kind of postpartum anxiety. At that time, I started to pick up running outside, amazing movements, worked through a lot of limiting beliefs, connected to my body, actually finally breathed, right? Like instead of being up here, like throughout the runs, like you have to get a little bit more lungs, air into your lungs. So all of that, that connection to mental health, that movement, how that helped me, it just really got me focused on movement and my mental health. And then when I went to, an example, like some group exercise classes, when that was still a thing, I felt like I missed a lot in the group exercise classes I attended. There was no, there was big group classes, right? There was not really a lot of community. There was a lot of clicks. Um, Nobody knew where I was at in my fitness journey, where my pelvic floor was at, where my core was at, where my mental health was at. It was just the main messaging was go hard, right? Like not a lot of attention to form. Names like celebrity body, right? Like I was just so thrown off by it at that stage in my life. I was like, oh, I want to do this different. Like at that time, it started to kind of all connect, right? Like my background with being in mental health, struggling with my own mental health, seeing the benefit of movement, seeing some some things that I I missed in the industry. I was like, I'm going to take my own certifications. So I took my own certifications and yeah, I started working for myself. Like I had my own classes, like at 5.30 in the morning, people would come into my basement, (laughs) Like just very, right? Like starting it up. 
at that time, I still worked on the side in social work. I just wanted to get to a level where I could actually stop that piece and actually fully focus on fitness. So yeah, that's that's basically in a long nutshell and a big nutshell where um, it all started for me within fitness. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing. I think it's really important to name where you've started and where you are now, because it's a big difference. It's a really big difference. And one really interesting piece that I picked up on right at the end there was when you said you wanted to be able to leave your former job. And I'm curious, like, what was that transition like for you? Because it's sort of, it's like similar, but it's very different. It's more physical than mental, but it also includes a massive mental component. So what would you say was the biggest struggle leaving social work? I mean, I missed it. And at some point, actually the last, well, not this year, but the last couple of years, I worked part-time as a EA educational assistant for the cutest three-year-old with Down syndrome. (laughs) So just to still touch on it a little bit, right? In a preschool setting. But honest, to be honest, it was also a lot of practical reasons because my husband works in the bar industry. It's not Mm -hmm. a fun industry to be in. Yeah. And yeah, and he was always working nights and childcare. And so when I found finally like, yeah, this is what I want to do. It was also really awesome to be able to stay working from home and to make my own hours and to be able to be with the kids. So that was a big drive for me to grow it so that I could stay home, working from home, running my own business versus working for an employer. So that was a big uh, positive change. Did I miss the community? Yeah. Did I miss my coworkers? Do I sometimes want to work for somebody to just tell me what to do? Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> so if you had that, you tell me what this week it. looks like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you had someone telling you what to do, you probably wouldn't miss it for very long. You'd be like, oh yeah, this is why I left. Now I remember. <laughs> True. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. Probably only have to do it for a couple of days again. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it wasn't at that, it wasn't that hard because I really, as you said already, like I really wanted to focus on that um, mental health piece and women. And I wanted to basically what my goal was uh, from the get go was I wanted women to be able to show up in a small group setting as they are that day, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can, no judgment. Uh, do you feel like crap? Like, yeah, you don't have to put up a front. Um, tune in where you're at. I want to meet you where you're at. So maybe mm-hmm. today you're not going to push it. Are you going to just stretch for a while while we're working? Sure. Right? Like, mm-hmm. it's, I really wanted to, uh, yes, personalize it because it was small group, but also just really focus on tune in, like, where you're at. What are you telling yourself throughout your workout about yourself? Why can't you just take it easier? Why does it always have to look the same? Right? So all that, it just... Um, yeah, it brought me really back to, well, that's the social worker in me, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So before we get into the pelvic floor component of this conversation, because I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah. I also, okay, awesome. I also want to share, I love that that is how you operate uh, when, you know, when group classes are able to happen, because that's like, that's how I am with my clients. Like I want them to show up in the rawest realist form. Like if you're showing up feeling like a miserable piece of shit, show up like a miserable yeah. piece of shit. Like I got all the space yeah. in the world for that <laughs> like, yeah. because that's, that's what I needed when I was mm-hmm. going through my stuff, when I was dealing with my mental distress and stuff like that, like that was what I needed was someone to really be like, Hey, it's okay. If you don't feel like being here today, it's okay. If you don't want to do this exercise. And it's interesting because I'm a former figure competitor. So okay. in, in, yeah, in the bodybuilding industry, 
you don't get to think like that. Like mm-hmm. if you, if you want to win, you have to think like a winner and you can't think any other way. Like there is no, yeah. Oh, I'm miserable. Like, I don't want to do this. You, you can be miserable and you carry that misery throughout every workout, but you, you're not allowed to like talk about it or whatever. It's sort of like, you know, shame, shame for, for doing that. And I think it's really interesting. I feel like not a lot of trainers have that empathy, have that compassion and have that desire to have people show up, you know, as they are. And I think a a part of that is, you know, how, how emotionally and mentally developed a person is, you know, I feel like what you're able to hold space for is really indicative of what you have been able to hold space for within yourself. Do you feel like that's true? I like how you've put that. I think so. And I appreciate that actually, how you put that perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, I love, by the way, that you operate like that too. I think that's, that's so awesome. And it's so, that is empowering on its own, mm-hmm. right? Because you really, yeah. Anyway, yeah. um, I feel like we could like, how many hours do we have? I know. Um, <laughs> I know. Okay. But um, I think, yeah, no, I, I think you can't speak of something until you have gone through it, experienced it, right? Like, I mean, empathy, you don't need to experience the same exact thing, but we all have some universal sense of a emotion and we don't have mm-hmm. to experience the exit, but I can relate to you still on just the feeling part of that specific mm-hmm. spectrum mm-hmm. of the emotion, right? So mm-hmm. yeah, and I, and I agree with you. Like, I think we both operate on things because we missed certain things ourselves, right? That's what mm-hmm. we would have loved and yeah. So that's Mm -hmm. totally where it comes from. Yeah. I'm really excited to share about pelvic floor and to hear your perspective and, you know, any teachings that you have around this. My first experience with anything relative to pelvic floor, aside from the, you know, womanly monthly cycle was in 2008, I fell 16 feet onto my back and they were like, they weren't sure if I was going to ever walk again. They weren't sure if I had nerve damage, like all of this stuff. And I was like, okay, whatever. Like I will walk again because I'm that determined. (laughs) And obviously like I, you know, I've gone on to, to do many, many things, but when I was working with the physiotherapist and the kinesiologist, they recognized like, Hmm, like this progress seems really slow. Cause I had damaged my right SI joint and I had bulged my L5 disc and like my pelvic, my pelvis was like actually rotated. Like my hips were moving uh, in opposite directions. Like it was, it was quite a mess to say the least. Oh, and girl. yeah. So the physiotherapist, a man actually started talking to me about my pelvic floor. And I was like, at first I was a little weirded out. I'm like, dude, <laughs> I know you got a pelvis and I've got a pelvis, but I think our pelvic floors are a little bit different. <laughs> and that could have just been, you know, the, the lack of knowledge and information that I had, but I, I, yeah. I trusted him and what he was, you know, supporting me with. And he gave me some exercises similar to Kegels, but not Kegels that I had to do on like an exercise ball and all this kind of stuff and whatever. Yeah. And that was sort of my first experience with strengthening or having any awareness of my pelvic floor, other than it being a, you know, reproductive organ kind of thing. So I would love to hear your perspective and anything you would like to share about this. How are you doing right now though? If I can ask, like, is your body? Oh yeah. My body's a bit of a mess. Yeah. Yeah. I recovered from that, but it's a, it's a bit of a mess otherwise right now, just because it's not that long ago. 2008. Yeah. Oh, 2008. Yeah. So that's 13 years, 13 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. It's, there's a lot of healing that has happened since then. And so now like, 
I know pelvic floor, I, I'm curious to know, like for pelvic yeah. floor, does that also tie into, you know, fertility and infertility and the reproductive organs and stuff? Because if there's any stress or tension in that area, it would sort of mm-hmm. play out in all of those facets, I feel. It plays out in a lot of things. And that's actually a really good points, like the, the fertility. And I would say I, I, I would love to talk to somebody about that, that actually is specialized in that area. I'm not like, I don't know about the fertility aspect of it, but that's a really interesting point. And I like how you already pointed out that it is connected because a lot of us might not, well, I didn't because I, I didn't, this is like for me the last three years that I've really focused on this uh, and also just my own experience I taught a high fitness concept I don't know it's all over Canada and the states I don't know if you've heard of it it's like a high impact and high intensity interval training aerobics mm-hmm. on steroids it's super fun yeah yeah I love it <laughs> it's really, yeah it's really fun it's like all the burpees and the squat jumps and, and just thinking mm-hmm. about that might make some women feel uncomfortable because they're like no I'm gonna pee yeah. Yeah. and most <laughs> of us did so that during that concept I, yeah, I realized that I could not do a lot of those things without peeing my pants and that it was super uncomfortable and that I would only wear black. And then I was worried about smell and then pads and uh, right, really not fun. And then in my class setting, I mean, my population at the time, my ladies age was around, I'm 44 right now. They were probably a little bit older than me even. Like most of them had to run into my house to to hit the bathroom at some point when there was too much jumping, like it was all the jokes about, you know, so it became a really apparent concept of this. We can't do this. Why? Right. And I was like, okay, this doesn't make any sense. Like we should, this probably is not normal. It's very common, but it's probably not normal. So I started to really dive into it. And I took some extra certifications on it. I'm a pre and postnatal fitness specialist too. So through that, I took some uh, courses and I turned my own symptoms around. And then I'm like, I I can do whatever right now. Like it's awesome. And I don't do the Kegels or however we pronounce that religiously. It's not, that's not the be all end all. Thank God, because that would not be fun. Right. Can you imagine? (laughs) No, I would hate that. Yeah. Okay. So I've graduated from doing a hundred to a thousand of these and I'm still in the same place. Like what's the point of doing only one exercise? It's like the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Totally. Good point. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and I was a part of a Facebook instructor group, high fitness, and it's like all over like the uh, North America like all the instructors were just laughing it off and talking about how they, and I'm, I'm not saying this to diss them because when you know, know better, that's just what you do, right? Like mm-hmm. we all have this problem. It's kind of uncomfortable, but we are at least talking about it, right? Like in the group, at least people were open about it. Like, yeah, anybody else is like a puddle on the ground after class. Like, what do you do? Um, but also a lot of the conversation was just like, yeah, whatever. It's just what it is. Suck it up. This is just what happens. I had babies. I'm maybe in menopause. So it's just what it is, right? Like we just have to suck it up. So that got me frustrated. I'm like, no, because we can do things about it. And we don't have to direct our clients, our students to um, poises on sale this week. Make sure you stock up, right? But that is the yeah. conversation within yeah. a lot of circles. Mm. So I was like, okay, I want to really, really try to change this narrative around. So I basically how this pelvic floor, like how I started in my basement, I, it started off with a workshop just in my 
my studios in my gar- our garage. We turned our garage into a studio. My husband is very supportive. It started off as like a workshop. I would have a handful of women come in. I would talk about like the fundamentals of pelvic floor health, how to connect to your pelvic floor. So if you want to talk about, yeah, what, what is the secret? A lot of us just have lost that connection to our pelvic floor, mm. right? Like it's, if we don't, we don't know how to connect to it. And the, the most simple basic thing, breathing, is not as simple and as basic as we think it is, mm-hmm. right? Like how to optimally breathe to really utilize that whole system, um, including our pelvic floor, which is just part of our core. So I would talk about breathing and how to do the difference. Some people, you might still think it's a Kegel, but it's more just connecting to your pelvic floor through your breath. And there's three different parts to our pelvic floor. So the Kegel is the stopping flow of urine. I think most likely that's how we have been taught that. That's just the front that's around the urethra, right? Like this this sphincter, the muscle around the urethra. But you also have the vagina. There's a, a muscle around there, which is a good thing. And then we have it around the anus. So there's three different parts. So only focusing on Kegels with the flow of urine, that's just one thing where some women just don't see results because there's three different parts to it. And fecal incontinence, if you just want to talk about what it is, that's a real thing for a lot of women too. And most likely we don't talk that much about that one because it's not as fun to talk about, well, I just poop my pants a little, mm-hmm. right? Like, and But that's, it's so... Um, life, it's so intrusive though, like these symptoms, right? Like um, the emotion, it's, it's our emotional health. It's our social health. It's what we do or don't do because of we're worried that something might happen. A lot of my clients were like, yeah, if I sneeze, like, and I'm in my office, like I'm so freaking embarrassed because I just peed my pants a little and I'm in this boardroom with all these guys and right. Like, so it's, it's more than just peeing your pants right like there's there's just so much around it that we don't have to live with and that we can turn around and that will trickle out and I was like using the word trickle so it will trickle out in other areas of our life without the trickle Um, (laughs) right like that Um, yeah so that's kind of how it all started for me and so currently Uh, My course has developed over the last two years, like it was just a Facebook group and some accountability because that's also part of the problem. Mm -hmm. Pelvic floor physiotherapists are amazing. So I want women to see a pelvic floor physiotherapist because I don't stick my finger Mm. in your vagina to see what's going on, Mm -hmm. right? And they can internally check to see what is actually the case in your case. Um, But a lot of women that came to me that actually took my course did see a pelvic floor physiotherapist, but they were tired of doing the work, didn't do the work. So they would not rebook again because they're like, fuck, it's been four weeks. I should have done my Kegels three times a day, 10 sets, and I didn't, and I'm still leaking. So at some point they just dropped off the planet of the pelvic floor physiotherapist earth um, because the main problem is they're not doing the work. Mm-hmm. What, the, what the pelvic floor physiotherapist wants them to do. So then they came into my course and I do a full body approach. So yes, it's about breathing. And I love your story about that pelvis misalignment because yes, just that misalignment, if your pelvis is either rotated under like posteriorly or anteriorly, like tucked back, mm-hmm. that changes your pelvic floor length, that muscle. So if you have, you sit with your bum tucked under a lot, or you stand with your bum tucked under a lot, that shortens the pelvic floor length. 
So it's basically always on. Mm-hmm. And a muscle that's always on is going to weaken over time. Mm-hmm. Right? So, and a muscle that's always on, you don't want to do all the kegels because it's already always on. You need to actually focus on how do you release it? Like, mm-hmm. how do you create length and how do you get that tilt through strength, through stretch to offset, right? The muscular imbalance. So there is, there's more to it than doing Kegels. Um, and once you start tuning into that, so in my course, I talk about alignment and posture and I just want you to, and I'm not perfect. I sit like this, right? But once we start tweaking things a little bit more on our day and we're more aware of our body, how we carry it, where we carry tension, because you can carry tension in your pelvic floor. It's a very, it's a stress container, basically. Um, then slowly but surely, for a lot of women, it changed within weeks just by breathing, just by finding that connection to their pelvic floor. So it's not always stuck. It's not always on. That range of motion is huge to find some range of motion back. So yeah, and now I actually, which is really exciting and I'm really proud of it. So I am uh, a fitness trainer with the AFLCA, which is a provincial fitness certification body. And you need to stay certified and collect your CECs, your points, educational Mm -hmm. points every year, two years. And I was like, huh, I think my pelvic floor is pretty awesome in content, like what the students get. And I'm like, I wonder if I would tell them what I teach, if that would even, because I really want to get into the instructors because they are in such a powerful position. They are in front of a ton of women that also don't know. And I don't want them to keep saying, go to shoppers because the pads are on sale. I want them to say, no, you can do something about Mm -hmm. this. So I really want to target the instructors with this. And so I got mine evaluated and I just heard back this week that it counts for six CCs, which is so cool because now, yes. Wow, that's amazing. Yes. (laughs) So I'm working on the instructive part. And yeah, they basically, they can help themselves and they can collect some CCs and they can spread the good words. So it's kind of really awesome. Yeah, that's more than kind of really awesome. Yeah. Fucking amazing. (laughs) This is amazing. Oh my gosh. I love that. So you went from not having this, this uh, training, not having the mental capacity for helping and supporting yourself to then starting to take some courses so you could better yourself, having that social working background, then to helping others and then recognizing like, hmm, hit is great, but not so great when you pee your, poo your pants. Like, what can I do better? And I love that you're on this trajectory of like, what can I do better to further and more deeply assist and support my clients? Like what is going to be the most nourishing for not only for them, but for me, Mm -hmm. you know, because I I've heard that, uh, the medicine that we most need, the medicine that we take the most is usually the best medicine for us to share with other people because we have the most experience with it. Um, and it's, and it sounds like it's exactly that. And I love that you guys to teach this because it's so necessary. I can tell you from all of the trainers I've ever worked with, not one of them, not a single one of them ever talked to me about my pelvic floor other than the physiotherapist. And he wasn't even a personal trainer. Yeah, no, thank you. I love your enthusiasm. Oh, it's so <laughs> good. You. I'm so excited. <laughs> thank you. I love that. I love that you're excited and, and thank you for recognizing that. But yeah, it's, um, yeah, I think it's really important. And you know what? You see it more and more. Pelvic floor is really, it's more, uh, 
I don't want to call it a hype, but you see there's trends, right? In yeah. fitness and in what we talk about. And just like how we talk more about mental health and how we're more vulnerable on social media, I feel like that's also happening. There's a shift in the fitness industry. Mm-hmm. Like when I started seven years ago, I was the only one that talked about, because I talk about goals beyond aesthetics. I don't focus on any of my classes. Mm-hmm. Like I don't ask for measurements. I don't, I don't, we don't even, and it's organically happens like that. Nobody in class talks about their belly or their, right? Like we have conversations about food as in, hey, oh, what are you eating this week? And what kind of cocktail, right? Like, but we don't, and not because it's taboo, we can't go there. We would go there, but it's just so refreshing to not talk about, right? Like our flab or how many calories we're burning or so anyway, seven years ago, I talked about goals beyond aesthetics. And I was, there was not a lot of that happening. And I've, I was like, oh, this is not smart business wise, because it's not sexy, right? Mm-hmm. If I would just show up in a bikini myself, and if I would use my own body to be like, and it's so stupid because a lot of it is genetics. Like I actually mm-hmm. struggle holding on to my weight, which is a little bit of a problem. So I, I lose weight very easily. So, but yeah, that's a big market, the weight loss, right? So I could have made a lot more money if I would have not done that. But I'm like, no, it's it's that narrative, that voice. That's kind of my theme. Like I, I, I don't want to, yeah, it just can't do it. Like it irks me. Like I would mm. not, that's inauthenticity inauthenticity around selling like and not going against my core and going against my core values yeah so I feel like I've taken the hard road a lot of times but I'm like well whatever it's uh at least I I feel good about what I do and what I talk about and yeah and living in a in a place of authenticity is far more important than following the trends and, yeah. you know, doing what everybody else did. I took a personal training course in 2013 and it was oh, yeah. awesome. I, you know, I was like, oh yeah, this is what I want to do. I, you know, I've been a fitness buff since I was, oh my gosh, in middle school, grade seven, yeah. we had a, a gym in the basement and my friend, uh, he was like this big Hispanic dude. His name was Frankie. He was like, yo, have you ever, have you ever gone down to the weight room? I was like, no, like you know, I, I was like in athletic sports and stuff. Like I played soccer, I played basketball, I played field hockey, Love all it. of, you know, track and field, all of that. And he's like, I think you should try it out. I think you should try it out. Cause I, w- I was a runner and it was super easy for me. Like running was just like a breeze for me. So we went down there and it was like one of those old cable setup leg presses. So not like the self-loading plate ones that you have to do nowadays. It was like old, yeah. old, old, like from 1960 or something. Yeah. And, and like, first time I sat down on it, I maxed out all the weight and I was like, Whoa, nice. I'm like, there's, there's something to be said about this. And then it ended up inspiring me because there was a little women's only fitness gym that was right around the corner from my middle school. And for yeah. Mother's Day, they had this little package where you could buy one month's gym, gym membership and get a second one for free. So I was like, yeah. oh, this would be a great way to spend time with my mom. This would be great for her because I remembered growing up that she used to play baseball and she would go to the gym and she was like awesome. always so much happier when she would do that. Yeah. And so I was like, I got to I got to do this for my mom. So I saved up all my allowance and I bought the membership for her for Mother's Day. And then so we cool. went. Yeah, we went and it was awesome. And like it sent my mom back on the path that she needed to be on. And then when my membership was over, I just stayed working out with the school, obviously, because why would I pay for it when I could do it for free at the school? Yeah. And I remember. So my mom, she was like five foot four, maybe five, three. Like she was tiny. She had 15 yeah. inch biceps. 
Like my, my mom was like a little brick shit house. Like she looked like a little bodybuilder and she was awesome. She worked at a, a hardware store and she loved, I don't know why she loved it, but she loved working in the, um, the nail aisle for some reason, like okay. organizing all of that, that stuff. And the boxes are 50 pounds. She, some guy would come in and be like, yeah, can I get whatever these three inch drywall screws? And she'd like front lateral raise like the 50 pound box and be like, here you go. And the guy would look at her and be like, huh? Like <laughs> take the box and Small kind of like, lady. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tiny, but mighty. But anyway, um, I oh, love it. Yeah. So that's sort of like inspired me, but in the training that I took in 2013, they never talked about pelvic floor ever. Mm -hmm. They hardly even mm -hmm. talk about core strength. And I feel like those things are so intertwined that. Yeah, it could be multiple things, right? Like I think a lot of us, if we talk about connecting again, mm -hmm. I, I cringe when I sometimes see these, these videos of like, we're doing all the, the most, in, the most advanced, crazy core moves because it's just fun, right? Like to do crazy stuff. Yeah. And, it looks and cool. it's, and I, right. <laughs> like, and I see the, see the videos and I'm like, I think you're using your neck. I think you're using your hip flexors, maybe your back, but you're definitely not using your core because it's too crazy. Like mm -hmm. you don't even know how to connect to that muscle because you're so, because it needs to be this exciting and advanced and right. Yeah, totally. Um, so I think that is a big part of it. Like that's what I see with a lot of my ladies. Like I don't, they don't know how to connect to that TVA, to their transverse, to mm -hmm. that key belt, the low core. They don't just don't know how to connect to it. So that could be a big thing. You can think like, yeah, I'm doing this plank, but yeah, no, you're, you're compensating with a lot of other muscles, but your core is not actually working. A lot of people would, would say, oh, I have a really weak core. I have a really weak core. I've been planking. I've been doing sit-ups. I've been doing this. I've been doing that. And it's like, maybe it's not your core. Like if you've been doing all of these things for three to six months and you're not noticing a difference, it's probably not your core. So I'm curious if you could speak to that a little bit. Is I it, love that. Yeah. Is yes. it likely associated with pelvic floor then? Yeah. It could be multiple things, right? Like I think a lot of us, if we talk about connecting again, mm -hmm. uh, I cringe when I sometimes see these, these videos of like, we're doing all the, the most, in, the most advanced crazy core moves because it's just fun, right? Like to do crazy stuff. Yeah. And it looks and cool. It's, and I, right. Like, and I see the, <laughs> see the videos and I'm like, I think you're using your neck. I think you're using your hip flexors, maybe your back, but you're definitely not using your core because it's too crazy. Like mm -hmm. you don't even know how to connect to that muscle because you're so, because it needs to be this exciting and advanced and right. Yeah, totally. Um, so I think that is a big part of it. Like that's what I see with a lot of my ladies. Like I don't, they don't know how to connect to that TVA, to their transverse, to mm -hmm. that key belt, the low core. They don't just don't know how to connect to it. So that could be a big thing. You can think like, yeah, I'm doing this plank, but yeah, no, you're, you're compensating with a lot of other muscles, but your core is not actually working. Mm -hmm. So that is one thing. I also think that you're so right in saying it's all connected because yeah, if you're an example, your let's say your glutes are not strong then your pelvic floor might suffer and be, it's a master compensator. So now it's going to work overtime. And because of that, it might be weak because it's, it's working overtime. Mm -hmm. So your TVA is not strong. It might be because um, your glutes are always on, right? Like it, there's such a connection oh, between yeah. like one part of your body will completely compensate for some weakness or some strength or some tightness in another part. So mm -hmm. I think really tuning in and just starting with some foundations, like take the easiest modification, 
And a lot of people are allergic to that because they're like, oh, I don't want to do easy, right? Like mm -hmm. I want to do hard. But mm -hmm. actually the easiest one might actually be the hardest one because now you're actually freaking connecting to the muscle. So take it down a notch, right? Like instead of double leg lifts, can you do a heel tap and actually really focus on I'm connecting to my TVA and I'm making a minimal wobble in that hip I'm really focusing on slow controlling, using that TVA to actually control that leg move to make sure my hips are staying as stable as possible. Ooh, now I'm feeling it. Like that might be harder than that double leg lift because you're just working your hip flexes maybe. Yeah. Right? So, <laughs> or rolling on your glutes. <laughs> yes, totally. Yeah. So yeah. I think, I think there's, again, like it's just, it's not sexy to go back to the foundations, mm -hmm. but we would do ourselves a huge favor to just take a couple of steps back, like as in downgrade your exercise a little bit and actually tune in and see if you actually know how to connect to your muscle and it changes your game, right? Because yeah, you're right, that core strength and there's a lot of different players, right? There's the glutes, there's the pelvic floor, there's your lats. Those all need to kind of synergistically work optimally. And then, mm -hmm. yeah, that core strength will determine how much you maybe overhead press, right? And how strong your legs are. And it's mm -hmm. just, it's fun. I think it's fun. And I love I strength training. I love this. Yeah, I love this. I'm I'm a huge heavy lifter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we have, I think we have about 285 pounds for deadlifting downstairs. And like, I max out at least once a week. Because I'm like, I told my husband, I'm like, we need to get more weights. And he's like well, why? I'm like, because like, I need a challenge. Like this is not challenging to me. And Amazing. like, you know, like squatting and deadlifting over 300 pounds is easy for me. And I, I have massively overdeveloped glutes because of it, but you know, that's, that's just, that's my strong point. Like, whereas for me, chest is not so strong, but also being a woman, we're not as necessarily strong, but I think it's really interesting. You mentioned that lats have a big influence on this. And I'm curious, how do lats play a part in this? It's all part of stabilizing your spine, right? Your lats are actually, they help stabilize your spine, which is your core, right? That's its main function. It's, it's there to stabilize even breathing. When we talk about breathing and if you would, and it's tricky, but if you would actually like take that deep breath in, right? And you have your hands around your rib cage, 360 wrapped it around. Um, if you would actually try and focus like the diaphragmatic breath, right? Your diaphragm lowers on the inhale. Mm -hmm. um, and then I cue like to try and let the pelvic floor go. I mean, a lot of people might be like, I don't know, am I letting it go? I don't know, right? That can be hard on its own, but to really breathe also into your backside, breathing into your back can be huge as in just, you can train your core just by breathing that way, because you're actually getting some range of motion in, like even in your thoracic spine, right? Like we, we need movement, range of motion in our thoracic spine. And mm -hmm. if you try that a little bit, like, and even if, if it's hard to do that, and it is like, if you try something new, different, it, it feels very foreign initially. But if you want to try to breathe a little bit more into your back and your pelvic floor will love it too, because your pelvic floor also will release a little bit more in the backside there versus always keeping that on. If you would like lay on your side at night, if you lay in bed even, and you tuck your, uh, your knees into your chin, uh, chest a little bit more. So the air will try to go the path of least resistance. Mm -hmm. So now it is forced to kind of shift it into the backside a little bit more into your actual back. And it feels so good to get some hmm. range of motion there, but you actually also activate some of your back muscles just through 
that breath. But yeah, no, let's, they're, they're a part of it. And it's kind of cool when you really see it as a full system, right? Because just that focus now can shift it away a little bit from the aesthetic. So a lot of women might struggle with, no, but I really want to just lose the weight. So, and for making them focus more on, hey, but let's talk about functionality. And do you want to deadlift more than 300 pounds like Rochelle? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe you should work on getting your glutes a little bit stronger or your core or your lats, right? Because they all play a big role in all those moves. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of cool. It shifts your attention to a fun because I agree with you. Strength training is so fun. It's so empowering. Mm-hmm. And so when a lot of women or a lot of it might be the misconception, like when we talk about, oh, but tune in, right? Like tune into your body and allow yourself to meet yourself where you're at. Like I think that's how people hear me say it, right? Like it's this like, ah, oh, but yeah, just be gentle, babe. Like just... But no, it actually can allow you to actually push yourself more too, because that's not how I treat my clients, like that I'm really worried that they can't do more. Where are you at? Like, I actually hand them heavier weights because I'm like, actually, you can do more. Like, I know you can. You're just not, you're comfortable. You feel like you can't, but right. So it's not just that babying. I think that's the same same mistake that people have when they think about self-compassion. It's like, it's an enabling way of just, no, you just take it easy. Just stay where you are, right? No, no, it's actually beyond that. Like it's the other way. It goes the other way. You can actually push yourself out of com- out of comfort zones through those approaches. We we don't grow from a place of comfort. We grow from a place of discomfort. It's the same thing. Like if you have a heavy workout, your muscles feel a little bit uncomfortable afterwards. That's because they're yeah. growing. They're yeah. growing from the place of discomfort. If you need that like physical reference. That's I, right. I, I think it's, it's so important to recognize that too. And it all plays a role. It all plays a role. And I really love how you mentioned that, you know, the lats are like, they're supporting and surrounding the spine that that's, that's what they're there for. Because when I, when I think of lats, I just think of bodybuilders, you know, having that nice lat spread, the big wings on their back. Cause that's my husband. Like he's also a former bodybuilder. So when he does his back lat spread, it's like two giant wings. Yeah. And I'm like, it looks beautiful, but yeah, exactly. You know, like it's beautiful. But when, when I think about it, you know, I never thought to, when I'm laying in bed to lay on a side and like curl up my knees a little bit more, just to breathe more into my back. And I've never thought to actually like place my hands on my sides and actually like feel what it's like to, to breathe, to to even recognize or be aware if I am breathing into that area. Mm Mm-hmm. And yeah. I'm like, now, now no. I want to do it. <laughs> like it's, now I really want to love it. Yeah. If you would Google like the core connection breath. So that's a huge tool that I use in my pelvic floor course. It has so many benefits. Yeah. It's, it's for happy pelvic floors, uh, healthy pelvic floors, but it's, it's like, it's, it calms down your nervous system. So if we talk about mental health, like it gets you kind of out of that fight flight mode. It works with your vagus nerve. It aids digestion because if you actually get the diaphragm to go through some excursion, your more your organs will now slide and glide amongst each other and they kind of need to. So it aids in, in digestion. So, and if we talk about pelvic floor health, some women that are a lot of uh, constipated and that strain a lot, they might have pelvic floor issues. So mm. releasing, relieving that constipation can already make a big difference on their symptoms. So yeah, the core connection breath, it's huge for lowers blood pressure. Like it's just awesome. I'm really playing more with groundful grounding techniques myself. Like I have a mindfulness coach currently and she's awesome. And yeah, it reminds me to be 
more in my body. And that's, yeah, that's core connection breath. It's just you, even one minute, right? Here and there in your day. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I'm a big believer in any sort of breath work. <laughs> breath yeah. work has not only changed my life, but it saved my life a few times too. I can tell you a story. There was uh, an instance, it was a couple of weeks after my mom had passed away. I was driving up back to Fort McMurray for a job that I was working at. And yeah. I wasn't feeling good. And I pulled over on the side of the road and I ended up passing out face down in the ditch. Thankfully, somebody saw me and called paramedics. Mm-hmm. Paramedics arrived on the scene. My blood pressure was through the roof. And I like, I have really low blood pressure. Like it's usually hundred over 50 or 95 over 45. Like it's, re- it's like scary Maybe low sometimes. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's like really, really low. And anyway, he, um, the two paramedics were like, how you doing? Come on with us. And, you know, they bring you into the back of the truck. They put you on the little monitor and they're like, okay, I don't know what's going on over here. And like my whole body was like tensing up and the, the paramedic, he looked at me, he's like, Hey, like, look in my eyes. We're going to do a little bit of breathing. And like, he, he guided me and he got like things to like settle down on enough that my shoulders came back down from my ears and my blood pressure sort of came down a little bit. And he's like, how, how are you feeling? I was like, I don't know. I think I feel better. I kind of got to go to work. (laughs) You know, he's like, okay, no, we need to take you to the hospital. And I refused. I was like, no, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. And it turned out that I was having a cardiac arrhythmia was what was going on because of the stress of my mom passing. But if it hadn't been for him, just even putting it in my awareness, like, Hey, you're not breathing. Like you're, you're, you're not fully inhaling and exhaling. I was like, (laughs) And then when this tension, whatever it was, would come over me, I would stop breathing for Mm -hmm. like almost up to two minutes. Like my whole body would be so tense. Like I wouldn't be able to inhale or exhale. Like I was just in such excruciating pain. And he's like, okay, let's slowly try and like introduce a breath in here. Sometimes you need someone to coach you how to breathe. And it sounds, it sounds really like simple, but as you mentioned, sometimes the simplest exercises have the most profound impact on us. Yeah. Yeah. When I, it's so true. That's a powerful story, by the way. Wow. Scary. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, I learned my lesson. No. Yeah. It's, it's um, most, when I talk about this, when I teach this core connection breath, most women don't know how to do that. It's like the first time ever they, they breathe that way, Mm -hmm. but it's also, it's, it's also being met with a lot of like, oh my God, I didn't know how good that felt and how, how it right away settles me down and how I need, how much I need that. Right. Mm-hmm. And you won't walk around your day even like that. I don't, but I, I like to, <laughs> you mean that's not a normal thing. <laughs> that's not a normal thing. Just like how my, how our posture is not optimal all the time, mm-hmm. but it's just good to have these tools to go back to. Right. like, and yeah, to really learn to understand ourselves and our bodies better. I think that's really important because it's the, it's the easiest thing to bypass, right? When shit hits the fan and life is busy, we just go. And it's it's like, yeah, to really connect to ourselves again and to really tune in long enough to actually, I think that's why I love strength training so much too, because it's almost meditative to me because that's, oh, yeah. that's the moment in my day where I'm actually really connected, right? Like, where I'm like focusing on what's working, my breath, like it's just awesome. Um, So yeah, I think there's huge power in that, like connecting to ourselves, connecting to our breath, connecting to our body. Oh, that's really beautiful. And I thank you so much for sharing that. And I'm curious, as we close, do you have any final words of wisdom for our listeners and for our viewers? 
Oh, wow. That's like, (laughs) (laughs) I know we could talk for hours. (laughs) Big question. I've been thinking a lot about self-compassion and I've been, I've been talking about that for a long time because it's also, as we earlier talked about, that's something that helped me out and through things. And I think I wish that we could see that a little bit more like self-compassion is a new hustle kind of idea, right? Where we, we can actually utilize that as, yeah, I I honestly think if I can make a bold statement, I think self-compassion is a prerequisite to self-love and Mm self-worth. Yeah, I think it's because self-love and self-worth, they sound such like abstract things, right? Like, yeah, okay, but how do you get there? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think it's self-compassion. Like if you, if you miss that piece, like if you, okay. So for me, self-compassion is curiosity. Like I'm allowing myself to open myself up to vulnerability, like a curious vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And un- until I allow myself to actually be really vulnerable with myself, I don't go layers shed deep into all the crap that the beliefs and whatever, right. That's holding me back. So that that ability to be vulnerable, that vulnerable and rob of yourself, you need self-compassion for that. So if you don't have that, if you don't instill that, I think we stay stuck in a lot of ways. And that's where the limiting beliefs just take over and we feel stuck. Anyway, so yeah, self-compassion. I think we need to all practice that a little bit more. Oh, I love that. I agree. I agree with you that it starts with self-compassion and to approach everything from a place of curiosity. Mm-hmm. Just, just like a newborn it. would, or just like a little puppy would, you, you know, you have to check out your surroundings to know if it's safe and maybe it is today. Maybe it isn't tomorrow, but that's, you're only going to find out by being curious about it. Love that. Yeah. And how can people get in touch with you? I'm more active on Instagram these days at live it fitness, YYC live it fitness is my business name. Um, YYC that's where I love interacting with people like yeah send me a message send me a DM if you want to talk about pelvic floor health and what's going on for you and where you're hoping to be or if you want to train online in like a supportive non-judgmental setting yeah you can find me there beautiful well I want to thank you so much for being here Mariah it's been an absolute pleasure having you and I know that we will be doing this again so thank you I love it thank you so much for having me like this was such an awesome chat thank you oh you're welcome 